Hello and welcome back to The Corporate Casket. My name is Blair and today we're going to be talking about Goop. Now, if you don't know what Goop is, it's a weird company that's run by Gwyneth Paltrow and they're just very holistic, but not scientifically based in anything. It's kind of weird, honestly. A couple months ago on my YouTube channel, I made a two-part video covering the ins and out of what Goop is and how much of a scam and a ripoff it is really just Things just don't make sense. They're not backed by anything. For God's sake, Gwyneth Paltrow is now known as the vagina candle lady. Like, it's weird. But a couple months ago, Goop had an in-home summit called In Goop Health. And I paid $50 for a ticket to go to this thing and to find out what they were going to talk about. And so that's what we're gonna be doing today is reviewing the summit and what new information they could have possibly brought to the table. So I hope you're ready to hear something a little more funny and a little more entertaining today because this was most certainly entertaining, although sometimes a bit cringeworthy to have to sit through, but I wanted to share what I learned with you guys today. Now, because this is a review of a summit that I went to, it's gonna be a little hard for me to do a lot of sourcing in this because you have to have a passcode to get in, but I did take a few screenshots here and there so you can see some of the insane shit that I saw. The theme of today's gathering, Gwyneth says, is change. Her assistant calls her an overachiever, which again, it's a bit weird how much her assistant just constantly compliments her on camera. And it's something that she did on the Netflix series too. And some of the sentences they say don't really make sense to me either. So she says, while we're still on this big, massive change, we wanted to take time to honor that and find ways both micro and macro to making, taking advantage of this extraordinary time and also finding ways to move forward and onward with it so it feels a little productive. Like, yes, yes, that is a sentence, absolutely. But I I don't 100% know what it means. Anyway, after their little introduction, I moved on to chapter one, which is called The Principles of Ayurvedic Eating with Dr. Kumar Singh. According to Goop's little bio intro about her, Avanti Kumar Singh, MD, is is an Ayurveda wellness expert on a mission to show how Ayurveda is a health catalyst to achieve optimal wellness in modern life. She uses science-backed information and personal stories to help patients, students, and holistic practitioners discover the healing wisdom within. And based on Goop's other choices, I'm not particularly surprised they would hire someone with this type of background, interest, experience, et cetera. If you do head over to her personal website, you'll see that she has a lot of flowery language, like healing comes from the presence of harmony within you. Lasting wellness comes from inner wisdom, like those kinds of shenanigans. So again, not surprised that Goop hired her. She says, my work is centered around teaching patients how to heal themselves by unleashing their innate healing power and educating students and practitioners how to support self-healing using meditation, yoga, breath, food, and routines, which I believe are true medicine. And for the record here, I'm not shitting on yoga and breathing. Uh, You definitely need the breathing part. Yoga, probably good for most people. I should probably do that a little bit more to be totally honest. And I'm not gonna be hating on food, I fucking love food, but the language here is a bit misleading. Antibiotics are true medicine too, as well as vaccines and drugs responsible for literally helping people function and stay alive. Goop and holistic businesses that I've covered have such a frustrating way of putting down science without directly saying fuck proven science. As for this doctor's credentials, she has a BA in art history and an MD from Rush University College of Medicine. So, you know, Much to my surprise, she's actually qualified, at least on the surface. Anyway, I dove right into her program about Ayurvedic eating, which this is what she said. 
Dr. Kumar Singh began by explaining how she went from Western medicine, what she studied, to Eastern medicine, what she grew up with. According to her, it all started when she got sick. Kumar Singh said that she found Ayurveda, which she found her inner healer. And for the past 10 years, she's been spreading these principles so that people don't have to rely on others or doctors anymore. And I hope that last line was just as alarming for you as it was for me. I am all for keeping yourself healthy and learning about nutrition so you don't have to depend on others as much, but her language is again, super misleading. She might as well have just directly said, you won't need a doctor if you practice this instead, but you can't legally say that. So she's got to prance around it like this. She also says that these principles, you can like heal yourself again and Ayurveda isn't a cure at all. Like Jilly Juice, like with the crazy MMS bleach people, these holistic cures are often marketed as something that will literally solve all your problems. And Kumar doesn't even tell us what she was actually sick with. So for all I know, she could have just had a stomach ache and eating properly helped her out. This whole belief system of I healed myself of every ailment is absolute bullshit. And I'm not saying traditional medicines have no value, but you can't put cancer, a heart attack, need for a kidney transplant or serious medical conditions under this umbrella. Like for fuck's sake, we're literally in the middle of a global pandemic while watching this. I'm pretty sure this is still gonna be happening. So this is just really, really inappropriate. But anyway, moving forward, she calls us a microcosm for the macrocosm and says we're all made up of space, air, fire, water, and earth. I feel like perhaps she's forgetting, you know, maybe carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, you know, like actual elements of the periodic table and not just some Avatar the Less Bender style shenanigans. But this doctor, and I'm using the word lightly because it's stressing me out that she's saying like, we're all out of sync with nature and that that's what makes humans more sick than ever. Like, I know this is supposed to be a goop summit, but I can't help but getting like, you know, Vietnam War flashbacks right now to like the two videos from goop because like her book was bananas and like having to deal with then this, like I just, (laughs) I couldn't do this. This was too much for me. Like all we've got to do guys is get in line with the path of the sun, like eat seasonally. Did you know that eating strawberries when it's winter isn't natural and it makes you out of harmony with nature? Like, no, I'm not joking. This doctor argues that eating foods when they wouldn't normally be available to us makes us sick. Like she does realize that preserving foods, making jams, storing food for the winter, that's like a thing that's always been done. And like drying foods, preserving them with salt, smoking them, like it's not new technology. I mean, I agree with her that sitting in front of a computer for too long isn't the best for someone's health. Believe me, I know. But her other arguments are laughably stupid. She also talks about this Ayurvedic proverb that says, when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. Again, this is supremely misleading. It's not brilliant as she insists. Is diet important? Absolutely. But it's not the be all and end all of health. If you're diagnosed with something serious, medicine is of a need. It doesn't matter how many out of season strawberries you've eaten throughout your life. So naturally, after getting extremely frustrated about this kind of language that she was presenting, I had to go ahead and do some actual research and see what some practicing health professionals say about Ayurvedic eating. And here are some important points to note. Grounded in a Hindu system of medicine, an Ayurvedic diet instructs you to eat according to a dominant dosha or energy type. There is no scientific rationale for this style of eating, but experts agree the focus on unprocessed foods and mindful eating are both valuable takeaways. While the USDA suggests calorie ranges for weight loss and weight maintenance, the Ayurvedic diet instead emphasizes mindful intuitive eating, listening to your body to determine what you need to eat, when, and how much. 
One source from NCBI states that while Ayurvedic eating and medicines may be affordable, Ayurveda is still lagging behind because of scientific evidence in many cases and poor research methodology. Ayurveda requires more researches in the area of fundamental principles and diagnostic tools in place of drug research. In the present scenario, the research methodology of Ayurveda is not good enough, which needs further advancements in the development and promotion of Ayurveda. So if this diet works for you, then that is fantastic. Eating at a slow pace and healthy foods, I would think would work for most people. Having dinner by 7 p.m., yeah, that's probably also a pretty good idea. All I'm saying is that the way this diet is presented is definitely twisted to fit a new narrative for you know the people in this conference, essentially. It really should not be seen as a cure-all and eating strawberries out of season doesn't actually make somebody unhealthy. And you'd still need to go to a doctor and have checkups if you're on this diet. Ayurvedic doesn't make modern medicine any less important. And it really just pisses me off to hear a doctor say that in the middle of a pandemic. Now that was just chapter one of this like shenanigan that I went to. So we've got a couple more chapters to go here. The little mini workout attached to chapter one, I had no problem with. It was just some high energy session to get the summit started. As for chapter two, there's also two sections. The first one being drawing for introspection and the other being an audio only workshop on overcoming burnout. Both of those seem pretty safe, right? I mean, how can you get drawing and telling someone to relax wrong? Well, I started with the drawing for introspection workshop and it was fine. Mira Patel was pretty vague in general saying that her workshop was for using drawing and creating to relieve stress. She said to ask yourself questions like, how do you feel? And that self-reflection will lead to freedom. Afterwards, she drew what anxiety looks and feels like to her, what colors represent her feelings and her self-care box. Again, I've got no issues with this. It's safe, basic, and it's a little exercise that personally isn't relaxing for me, probably because I can't draw if my life depended on it, but it's fine. After this, I moved on to the overcoming burnout section of chapter two with high expectations because yet again, they have someone on that surface who appears qualified. Amelia Nagoski and Emily Nagoski, PhD, discuss the science of stress because as Emily says, her twin sister, Amelia, ended up in the hospital from the stress of earning her doctorate. They describe burnout as being exhausted by everything that you have to do, but you still feel like you're not doing enough. At one point, Emily tells a story about how a former student of hers tried to practice mindfulness, struggled to do so, and went to her doctor only to learn that she has fibromyalgia. Now, I do find that interesting because in chapter one, Dr. Kumar told me that eating the right foods at the right seasons and for the right reasons would keep me from needing a doctor. So is Goop advocating for the doctor now? Heaven forbid they would do such a thing. Now, fibromyalgia, for those who don't know, is an issue of pain processing and it doesn't seem to be caused by stress alone. Emily didn't state that stress caused this issue for her, thankfully, but she does suggest that all her stress and burnout made her push that pain to the side. So at least these sisters have that going for them. They're not making completely irresponsible or unreasonable suggestions. However, they do call the difference in who a woman is and what society expects her to be a mad woman that's full of fiery rage at the world and a mad at you for not being what the world wants you to be kind of thing. Calling this cruel voice in my head a mad woman doesn't really help me deal with that. Like I'm not going to call myself a tantruming child because I don't always meet up to the standards that I or others put onto me. It's a fact of life that sometimes we don't feel good enough and ignoring that or calling it a mad woman, the little voice in your head or whatever, and pretending it's not part of ourselves, it seems a bit counterproductive to me. 
I'd rather just say, yeah, there's days I feel like I don't measure up. So I've got to remind myself what I've accomplished instead. Not, oh, there's a tantruming child in my head that I just have to ignore because society tells me I'm not the woman it wants me to be. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but this seemed pretty safe overall, but that little part just kind of annoyed me for some reason. I can't quite put my finger on it, why? They later end up comparing the Mad Woman to Taka in Disney's Moana, and we all have our own Mad Woman we have to face and face her with compassion. Like, seriously, they spend several minutes summarizing Moana. And then they end the message with be kind to yourself even after calling yourself a Mad Woman. And yep, that's it. But before I could get on to chapter three, a live talk with Gwyneth and Elise came on, and you guys know I wouldn't miss that shit. Now, what they talked about was parenting and going into their family tree, etc. At one point, Gwyneth was asked if she missed being anonymous and how she feels about fame. Gwyneth said that she had moments where, because of COVID, she realized how rude people can be since her face has been hidden by a mask. She says she misses being able to go out into the world and just observe and not be observed. Elise compliments Gwyneth a lot, again, saying she's energetic and a go-getter, you get the point, but there wasn't really anything worth mentioning here. The second live portion of the summit was a chat between the Goop food director and a nutritionist, Maya Feller. One of the questions they answer is about intermittent fasting. Does it work? And I'll give credit to Maya on this one. She says there is no one size fits all for that type of dieting, which is probably one of the most sane things I've heard all day at this summit. And it really doesn't reflect what the doctor said earlier at the start of this whole Goop journey shenanigans. I also agree with the mindset of follow the farmers more than how it was portrayed by Dr. Kumar, saying how eating lighter, hydrating foods in the summer and heartier filling foods in the winter is what makes more sense than if you eat strawberries out of season, you throw off your balance and get sick. Overall, this probably made more sense to me than most other parts of the seminar, at least until we got to the part about recommending supplements. Again, supplements are just an entire video in of themselves, and I promise I will get to that. That is that is on the menu of videos I will be doing, but this portion here made me lose a lot of respect for Maya. Now, I'm gonna be honest here. I'm not gonna pretend like I watched the entirety of this or didn't zone out a couple times because it was nearly an hour long, but I did feel there was a lot of fact mixed in with fiction. She kept saying how there's a ton of research done about specific topics, and I wish there could have been some sources, links, or you know, just about literally anything to look through. I know since it's a live chat that that may have not been like fully possible, but that's absolutely something I would change about this. Since there's no set script, at least when Maya's being asked questions, she may not have had that research in front of her and people would just have to take her at her word. The third live video was called The Goop Glow, and this was an AMA by their beauty editors. Jean and Megan talked about what they do to get that glowy skin, and this was basically just a gigantic goop skincare ad, and I don't really have much to say about it except for that, so we're just gonna keep moving right along. Aside from the live classes and the chapters, they also had a masterclass about tarot readings, smoothie making, and a 20 minute video about plant coaching. And those really were not my main focus. It's pretty hard to make a cocktail wrong in my opinion. I really like doing that as like a little fun hobby thing around for my friends. So, you know, I don't think I really needed to watch that. So I dove into chapter three, the final section of the summit, which was called Feel. And the first video I had was a 35 minute meditation class with an energy healer. So here we go again. Mariam Ajayi practices Reiki and breath work. She describes breathing as drawing life force in and out of your body, which (sighs) I understand what Reiki is. We need air to live, but why do we call it a life force? I just, is it just like to sound cooler? Like I just, I don't get it. But anyway, we've still got 34 minutes left, so let's keep going. There's a hilarious moment where she says that in order for the breath technique, she's going to show us how to breathe while lying down. 
Then she says, oh, you're thinking, oh man, how do I lay down for 30 minutes and breathe? But trust me, we're going to lay down. Like, again, you don't breathe when you sleep. Like, why is she treating this like this is something to be nervous about? Like, I really hope no one at this home summit is scared of breathing while laying down for 30 minutes because if anyone is, then they've got a lot more problems on their plate than Goop can solve, like that's for sure. Then she teaches us how to breathe with our mouth open to cleanse our hurt as humans. And again, I've got no problem with meditation work at all. I think it's great to lay back, relax, and take a break in the day sometimes. And mindfulness and meditation do have proven evidence-based benefits. According to Psychology Today, it can decrease anxiety, help patients with ADHD, decrease depression and stress, and improve social skills. All of these are potential benefits, not guarantees, but at least there is some research behind that. So I don't have an issue with Goop promoting meditation, just an issue with the way they presented it. Goop acts as though whatever they present is fact and guaranteed to cure people, as though if only we were more connected with nature, all of our problems would be solved and we wouldn't be sick and any stress we had would completely go away if only we meditated. After all this, Goop's healer has you scream into your hands after an inhale, which is just, Kind of awkward for me at least, I don't know. Maybe it's just a me thing again, but it didn't help that I wasn't exactly doing the exercise the whole time. So for a minute straight, I was just staring back at this woman wondering what has gotten me to this point in my life and why I'm here and and why I'm suffering. Anyway, after that very basic feel-good guided breathing section, we're on to the next section of chapter three, which is communicating pleasure. Penda kicks us off with the statement that she got her first vibrator as a gift from her mom a few years ago. So a bit more information than I was expecting, but okay. I tried to go into this with an open mind because if you'll recall from episode three of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop Netflix special, I honestly didn't hate that episode's message too much. It focused on women's sexual education and was pretty informative, especially when compared to other episodes. So I held out hope that we could end on a high note here and get something that if not educational was not misinformation. Now, a lot of the stuff presented was anecdotal and what Penda experienced rather than any evidence she presented, but there were still a few good points that were made. Not being ashamed of premarital sex, being able to explore one's sexuality or fantasies without shame, like that sort of thing. We all deserve pleasure, she says. And again, I would really like some specific examples or maybe a more focused topic as opposed to just everyone enjoys this and needs to enjoy this. But hey, at least there wasn't quite anything as ignorant as chapter one of the seminar being said. A lot of it was vague, feel-good statements like, as our sexual desires change, we should change too, and how sex can bring together anyone from different races, genders, and classes, and expressing your pleasure and desire is transformative, and everyone feels sex differently. Like, yeah, absolutely, I agree that a lot of sex shaming or pleasure shaming or whatever she calls it could be reduced with better sex ed classes and education in general. I don't feel like she said anything other than general statements either. It's just a lot of emptiness and wasted time, but you know, the the feel good shenanigans, I guess. The only real disagreements I had, or at least comments that fell into a gray area for me, was when Penda said that we're all sexual creatures and how we should break past the belief of abstinence and that it doesn't have to be reserved for any person or circumstance. So even though I agree that having abstinence forced on you isn't healthy, if someone chooses that, they have every right to do so. Some people want to save themselves from marriage or until they found the right person, and that's their choice, not yours. Breaking down barriers is fine, but it's not as if there's zero benefit in waiting either. There's stories out there of people saying they wish they waited and stories of people who regret waiting so long. 
I wish that Penda dove into that a little bit more because I think presenting the benefits of both is important as opposed to just telling the audience that she doesn't believe in abstinence. As for the we're all sexual creatures part, some people don't feel that way either. Not all asexual people hate sex, but some do. Some may be indifferent to it or just have no desire to be in a sexual relationship. There's plenty of people that I think would disagree with her on the we are all sexual creatures part or we all want that specific type of pleasure comment. Not everyone is, and that's fine too. She goes so far into that pro pleasure and sex narrative that Penda doesn't acknowledge that anyone might have low libido or maybe they don't have those curiosities. And again, that's valid too. Again, there thankfully wasn't like misinformation on this one. It was really vague, but it wasn't really informative either. And it was kind of short-sighted. And that was the summit. That's what was in there. And if you weren't all that impressed, you're not alone. Even though I thought this in-home summit was kind of vague, feel-good bullshit, her in-person summit is apparently like way worse. Attendees of Gwyneth Paltrow's UK Wellness Summit in London are revolting after they were charged $5,700 to attend, then subjected to a weekend-long goop sales pitch while the actress skipped out on some of the festivities. Those at the event this weekend were urged to book rooms through Goop at $1,300 for two nights at the Kimpton Fizzroy London Hotel, but some later discovered that rates that weekend started at $250 a night. The Goop rooms were suites with a gluten-free breakfast included. The event featured a health summit where Gwyneth, who was surrounded by security, offered helpful tips such as creativity with your hands is like channeling God and how to hydrate mindfully along with a sound bath and a workout with her trainer, Tracy Anderson. An on-site Goop store offered fare like a $55 vibrator named The Millionaire because it feels like a million bucks. One attendee told us, Gwyneth acts like she's a health goddess, but actually she's a pretentious, greedy extortionist. She had a ton of security. She was unapproachable. She did the minimum, a few fireside chats with Twiggy and Penelope Cruz. Then she put on her Birkenstocks and snuck out. I was a huge fan of Gwyneth. Now I feel like I have lost my faith in God. Some Goop representatives apparently had their heads in the clouds on this one because one said they didn't receive any negative feedback despite multiple sources labeling Paltrow an extortionist. Now, this was back in 2019, of course, and I don't know if the summit I went to was the same, but thankfully I only had to spend $50 to hear Gwyneth and her friends make a lot of vague feel-good videos with some bullshit mixed in, not thousands. I'd say most of the in-home summit wasn't actively harmful or dishonest, but that whole first chapter again, that's still what pisses me off the most. You can heal yourself. Yeah, all right, walk into a hospital and start telling that to patients, then I'd love to see how they react. Now, unfortunately, this in-home summit actually did sell out. And for anyone curious, Kettle One Botanical, an alcohol brand, Puma, and New Chapter Vitamins sponsored this summit. Overall, I'm a bit disappointed to see that Goop is still growing strong. And though the reason is simple, you know, it's because they tell people what they want to hear. Like who doesn't want to believe that if they would just eat the right foods at the right time, you'd never be sick. I'd love to believe that I'm never at risk of cancer, heart attack, stroke, dementia, or any illnesses whatsoever if I'm just in balance with nature. Healthy people die all the time because of crazy accidents or some sicknesses that come out of nowhere. And I know that sucks to hear and it's far worse if you're either in that situation or know someone in that situation, but it's true. And the sooner people can accept that and try to enjoy the life you've got, then the better off you'll probably be. 
Goop pretends that we can control our mental health by just meditating, when again, that doesn't work perfectly for everyone either. I'm not saying a guided meditation is awful and people shouldn't share their beauty routines, but the way Goop presents things, it's as if they claim to have this key to a healthy life and it's kind of bullshit and it most certainly was not worth $50. With all that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it or were somewhat entertained by this because I know I most certainly was. If you want to see all of the sources I used, you can definitely check the links in your description box nearest to you. And links for all of my social media and other ways to connect with me on various projects will also be available and linked below. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Corporate Casket. Make sure to follow this podcast so you never miss another episode uploading every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So thank you guys for watching and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.